Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for this morning's meditation is our gospel lesson recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Luke, the 16th chapter, verses 19 through 31. To bring us back in that text, I'd like to read just the final three verses for you once again. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, it's been said that looks can be deceiving. Or maybe, to use another common phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. And how true it is. As we can see, an individual who on the outside maybe looks like they are one that has great authority and wisdom, and yet, when they open their mouth, they show their own insecurities and foolishness. Or you can think of another individual who maybe on the outside isn't so attractive, but maybe they are the most interesting or funny person you've ever met. And especially when it comes to earthly possessions, how we might look up to someone who has great wealth or fame and think that life must be perfect for them. In reality, they might be struggling with alcoholism. Their marriage, perhaps, is on the brink of collapse and maybe their children hate them. On one who is at the poverty line, maybe is grateful to God for the tremendous blessings that he has given to him. Yes, looks can be deceiving. Looks can be deceiving, especially when it comes to who is part of God's kingdom. As we consider in our lesson for today, as we see this rich man and this poor beggar, Lazarus. So this morning we take up the theme then, looks can be deceiving. Understanding that one can look like he has everything, but truly have nothing. One can look like he has nothing, but have everything of true value first individual we hear in Jesus' story that he presents before the Pharisees today is the rich man. And it looks like the rich man does have everything. He's wearing fine clothing. He's eating a feast every day. If we were to compare the two and ask ourselves the question, which one has God's favor, we'd probably point to the rich man. After all, how can God love this man who is a beggar? Certainly he has shown his favor on the rich man. He has blessed him in so many ways. The rich man must be doing something right. But it's good for us to understand Jesus' own words from Matthew chapter 5 when he says, For God makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so it isn't wealth or lack of wealth that is a sign of who is part of God's kingdom or not, who is a child of God or not. We shouldn't judge a book by its cover, for looks can be deceiving. We find that out especially when it comes to the rich man, when we hear that both of these individuals, both the beggar and the rich man, die. The rich man goes to a place called Hades, a Greek term referring to hell. The rich man who enjoyed so much on earth now has nothing. In fact, 
he finds himself in torment. Why? Was it that he cursed God outwardly? We don't hear that in our lesson. What's evident is that this man just didn't have time for God. He just wasn't really that into religion. But now he sees, as he's suffering, how important it actually was. Can you imagine what hell is like? It's hard for us to fathom it, isn't it? That hell is an actual, real place of eternal torment and suffering. So terrible that this rich man wants only a drop of water to be brought to him to cool his tongue. It's that bad. Remember a number of years ago, my wife and I went to a dinner theater known as Medieval Times. Maybe you've heard of, of this dinner theater. It's around the country. And we enjoyed a, a, a nice dinner there, feasted like kings, eating our meat and potatoes while watching these men uh, joust on horses and armor. But perhaps what was most memorable about that trip was actually the buildings outside of the main building. You see, they had many smaller buildings that were kind of like museums with many artifacts filled with things from the medieval times or Middle Ages. And I distinctly remember one building in particular had a big sign out in front, children are not welcome here, caution. And so we were interested and we went inside. We found that inside of that building was filled with torture devices. Everything from impaling poles to stretching tables to a device that, that slowly pulls one's intestines out of his stomach. The most horrific and grotesque things you can imagine, and I felt sick to my stomach, imagining those things happening to me. But then I thought to myself, well, at least for those individuals that had to endure such devices, at least they had comfort and consolation in that it would one day be over. They would die and the pain would stop. But not so for the rich man. As we see him there in hell, in the unending flame, in the place filled with torment, crying out to Father Abraham. And he cries out that he sent Lazarus down to him in hell to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue, but Father Abraham says this is impossible. It's impossible because there's a chasm between the two places, between heaven and hell. So someone who in, who's in hell cannot go to heaven, nor even if someone wanted to from heaven, they can't go down to hell. And so what does the rich man then ask for? Well, if he can't come down here to ease my suffering and pain, at least send Lazarus back from the dead to warn my brothers of this terrible place. What does Abraham respond to him? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He's telling the rich man, they have God's word. Let them listen to it. Let them heed it. Let them believe it. The rich man, maybe trying to excuse his own unbelief, says, no, no, no. But if someone rises from the dead, they'll believe. They're not going to believe that plain, old, boring Word of God contained in Moses and the prophets. But Abraham continues and he says, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, 
if someone should rise from the dead. What a profound truth spoken by the one who himself would rise from the dead. And yet his own brothers in the flesh, even these Pharisees that he spoke to, they would reject the truth of Moses and the prophets that proclaimed him as Messiah. They would not believe even upon seeing the amazing miracle of him rising from the dead. It's how important is the simple word of God and its truth and what it contains and it's important for us when it comes to the afterlife. Now, on the other hand, we have the poor beggar, Lazarus. From all outward appearances, it would look as if God had rejected him. As he is apparently crippled as he has to be brought to the rich man's gate. He's suffering from sores all over his body as he has these intense hunger pains wishing to eat the garbage, the scraps that fall from the rich man's table. That's how hungry he is. His only consolation, these dogs licking the sores on his flesh. Yet it appears to many that God has rejected this man. Maybe we feel that way ourselves at times. We feel that our lives are filled with so much misfortune, whatever it might be, and that God has rejected us. But here too, looks can be deceiving, for we see that in death, where Lazarus goes. He goes to Abraham's bosom. He goes to heaven, doesn't he? And why? Looking at our lesson for today, we might wonder if maybe he goes there because he is so poor, because he has suffered so much. After all, Abraham points out that in life, Lazarus, the beggar, suffered, but now in heaven, he is comforted. And the rich man was the opposite, right? So is that the case? Is that the reason why Lazarus went to heaven? Because he suffered so much because he was so poor? By no means, because that would contradict everything that the Word of God says concerning the way of salvation. Now, in fact, we hear from the mouth of the rich man the way to eternal life, the way to heaven, the way to escape hell, as he talks about his brothers and their need for repentance, to recognize their sin and to believe in the Savior. It is this same Savior that Moses and the prophets testify to. Moses, who talks about the one, the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. Moses, who talked about Abraham's seed, through whom all nations of the world would be blessed. The prophets, who talked about David's greater son, who would rule on his throne forever. The prophets, who talked about the Messiah as the suffering servant who was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. It is Moses and the prophets that Lazarus, even in his poverty, firmly treasured and trusted. And what was the result? That he's brought to Abraham's bosom was a young boy who asked his mother one day what it's like to die. And him being so young, she decided to describe it in this way. She said, son, remember those 
nights that you crawl into your older brother's bed and you begin sleeping there in that bed with him, comforted next to him. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, while you're sleeping, strong arms lift you up and carry you to your own bed. And in the morning, you wake up in your own room. That is what death is like. That is what death is like for the believer as it's described in our lesson for today as Lazarus enters the sleep of death and his soul is carried by the angels to heaven, to the place that God has prepared for him there to his own dwelling. The Apostle John describes the glories of heaven in Revelation chapter 21 using negative terms. He says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. There shall be, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Imagine that especially for Lazarus who suffered so much in his body to now being in a place that was without sickness, suffering, pain, or death. All of it gone. Brought to the mansions of heaven by the angels. And how? It was ultimately through Moses and the prophets that showed him the Messiah, his Savior. The Apostle Paul tells us this truth from Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. See, it's the word of Christ, God's word, that brings to us the amazing treasure of faith. We know this of God's Word, that God's Word cannot fail. As Isaiah writes, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God's will stand forever. And Jesus Himself testifies, Scripture cannot be broken. It's the Bible that's so simple and so plain and so ordinary. It is God's Word of truth that cannot be broken the Word that gives eternal life. We think of the Scriptures, don't we? We think of them, how on the outside they appear so plain. No picture on the cover. No pictures inside. It seems a big, old, boring book, doesn't it? But don't judge this book by its cover. For this book brings to us eternal life, doesn't it? During the Middle Ages, it was a very sad time for the church because God's Word was not so prevalent among His people, nor was it prevalent among the priesthood. As there are many that would point to the crusades that occurred during that time or the amazing cathedrals that were built, but the church really suffered, was starving to hear the truth of God's Word. Some might say the same is true even today. Even though this book is the number one bestseller year after year after year, even though you probably have a handful of copies on your own bookshelves in your homes, how often is this book opened? As it appears so plain, so ordinary, and yet looks can be deceiving. For this book brings to us eternal life. It brings to us the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, as we take a close look today and have seen the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, 
we understand what is truly most important. Not a chasing after the treasures and the pleasures of this world, but seeking after Moses and the prophets, and knowing that through them we have eternal life, because they proclaim our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, looks can be deceiving. Don't judge a book by its cover, but treasure this Word of God, your life. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore.